Hey, we're back here at Belltree Productions, Central City Church this morning. We're not meeting at the theater, so we are going Facebook Live. Um, Joe has a, a great teaching for us. I just want to remind you that um, if you, whenever you're watching this, we'd love to know uh, that you are watching. So if you want to text LIVE, L-I-V-E, to 614-333-0820. Um, and just uh, we want to know who who's watching and where you're watching from so that'd be great also next week we're starting our new series on doubt we'd love for you to join us at the Grand Theater at 10 a.m. Um, and we have a survey if you want to engage with that series uh, um, on another level you can fill out the survey go to centralcity.co backslash doubt help us kind of shape some of the the sermons that we'll be doing over the next month so I'm going to kick it over to Joe for his teaching so, I'm not sure where the last feed got cut off, so I'll, I'll just give us right there at the beginning, um, somewhere in the beginning, and abbreviated. I, I wanted to tell you a story about a church, and on all accounts, it's an impressive church. It's a real church. It really existed in a particular time and place, and uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But here's some of the things that made this church really impressive. First off, it was um, rooted in a, the center of a rich an exciting city. It wasn't the biggest city in the country, but it was filled with activity, and it had people coming and going, and it was filled with art and culture and business. It was this growing and vibrant place, and the church then was growing and vibrant too. And because the church was in this city, it was very diverse. It was made up of people who were rich and poor, and if you attended a worship service there, you'd see people from just a variety of backgrounds uh, worshiping together. And it was also filled with a lot of talented people and they were all filled with the spirit they had these things that we talk about in the church called spiritual gifts and this church had a lot of spiritual gifts every part of the body of Christ was represented so if you went there they had great preaching and great hospitality and great um, worship and great children's ministries and great like all it just had everything really well done because it had all of these people in fact one of the founders of this church said that they didn't lack any spiritual gift and it was a wealthy church. The people in this church, um, not all of them, but many of them had money. And not just money, but influence. They were influential people in the community. They weren't just a church of nobodies. They were a church of people who had it together, who had made a life for themselves in their homes, with their families, and also with the community. But not just that. This church was also really smart. It was filled with well-educated, intelligent people they understood the complexities of life and they were philosophical and they debated theology and they weren't idiots in other words they were wise and they could argue and discuss and they loved to learn um, but not just that this really impressive church was extremely loyal they were proud of their leaders and they would follow their leaders to the ends of the earth and most importantly this church, this really impressive church, was sincere. It was made up of people, many new people to the faith, who were sincere followers of Jesus. As one of their founders said, he said, I always thank God for you. God's grace was so evident that people thanked God for this church. So, here's this church. Really impressive, really great church, and it really existed. Now, the church I speak of was planted uh, 2,000 years ago in the city of Corinth. 
located in what is now Greece, by none other than the great apostle Paul. And we know all about this church because after Paul helped plant the church, he went on to write at least, maybe, maybe three, but at least two letters to this church. And we can read those letters in Scripture as 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Now, for those of you who are watching who've read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you might be surprised to hear that this church was actually impressive as I make it sound. Because if you've ever read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he does not paint a particularly nice picture of this church. In fact, he does the exact opposite. In his letter, he airs all of the church's dirty laundry. I mean, he just lays everything out that makes this church terrible. So if you read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and if you haven't, I recommend it, you won't see what made this church impressive unless you read between the lines. Because when he talks about their wisdom and their intelligence and how educated they are and how smart they are, he reminds them right in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians that God makes foolish the intelligence of the wise. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 19 says this, But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. He says, God chose the things that we often think is really impressive to embarrass those who consider themselves impressive, that no one might be able to boast. So he says, you, you might think you're really, really, really smart, church, but you're getting it all wrong because it's not about intelligence. When he talks about their spiritual gifts and how talented they are and how spiritual they were, he reminds them in a couple of chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14, where he talks about their spiritual gifts, he reminds them that the spiritual gifts are nothing if they're not done in authentic community with love. In fact, this very popular passage that's read at a lot of weddings is actually talking about spiritual gifts when he says in 1 Corinthians 13 2 he says if you have the gift of prophecy you can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge and if you have faith that can even move mountains I mean you could go on he said like basically no matter how talented or how spiritual you are he says if you do not have love then you're nothing he actually then also talks about their wealth they were wealthy people, but in 1 Corinthians 11, he condemns them for using their wealth in such a way to ostracize the poor in their community. And, and in fact, the way that they were doing it was, was actually probably not even intentional. It's just their wealth enabled them to eat a certain way, and the poor didn't, wasn't able to eat that way, and they would gather together, and so all the wealthy who could afford good food would eat, and the poor wouldn't, and that was their community. He says, your wealth is actually creating great division in the community. Well, when he talks about their influence in the community, in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, he begs them to stop taking their brothers and sisters to court and using their influence to sue each other. These people were so influential in their community that when they got in an argument with someone else who was a Christian, they'd go to a public court and hold that against them. And, and he's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't care how influential you are. You can't do that. In fact, when he talks about their loyalty to their leaders, in chapter 3, he challenges them to let go of that kind of loyalty that creates division. Because they were saying, I follow Paul. And others are saying, I follow Apollos. And others still who are super spiritual, they're saying, I only follow Christ. But all of this I follow stuff was creating such division in their community because they were forced to pick sides. And, and he says, that's not what it's about. 
And so even though they were rich, and even though they were influential, and even though they were talented, and even though they were smart, and even though they were impressive by the world's standards, these members of this church were really struggling. And they were struggling with all kinds of things like idol worship and letting go of the past. And, and they were even engaged in all kinds of immorality, just honestly really disgusting stuff. And so from a distance, this church might have appeared as really impressive. But it wasn't impressive if you could see what was underneath. And the Apostle Paul could see what was happening underneath. And while he thanked God for them, because they were a church and they were doing a lot of things right, he challenged them to take matters of the heart seriously. What is going on underneath? So uh, I, I, we're currently remodeling our house, and, and um, I've lived in another fixer-upper before. The first fixer-upper I lived in, uh, it, it, was a, it was a wreck, and I didn't know anything about fixing up a house. But, I mean, you walked in, and the carpet was still covered with stuff. Dog urine. I mean, you and you could almost like you almost had to take a shower just walking into the place. The wallpaper was hanging on the walls, and what I mean by that is it was literally hanging on the walls, like off the wall. When it came time to scrape the wallpaper, we didn't have to scrape it. We just and it just came right off. I mean, this house was a mess. We went in, and all I knew how to do was fix up the outside of it. You know, just the cosmetics. So we took the wallpaper, we put in you know new carpet, we painted the walls. But underneath, I knew nothing on how to fix the deeper issues of this house. So there was this one light in this house. This is probably really dangerous. This one light would sometimes just kick off, but I figured out how to get it to work. You just pound the wall. No. Yeah, no, you just <laughs> pound the wall and the light would come on sometimes. Now, I have no idea what was going on underneath. We made the outside look okay, not even great, but okay. But underneath, it was probably a wreck. So the, there is a significant difference between something that's impressive on the outside and something that's real, authentic, and healthy on the inside, both as a church, as a house, but also as individuals. So as we move into 2018, this is the challenge for us. We, we're, an early, we're a young church. We don't even know exactly who we're going to be or what we're going to be, but we're figuring that out. And one thing that I want to challenge us is we might always be tempted to be impressive. I mean, we want to leave an impression on people, which means ultimately we want to be impressive. That's what it means. But more than that, what we want to strive to be is authentic as a church and as individuals. So I challenge you in 2018, what does it mean to deal with some of the stuff that's going on under the surface in your life? To really spend some time thinking and praying, wh where could God change my heart? Where could God change the way I think? Where, where are those places in my life that that although I can put on a big, a good show, and I might even be impressive at times, where can I really begin to change who I am? I recently watched a video um, of a pastor friend who was talking about New Year resolutions, and he uh, um, was preaching out of this, uh, out of the Book of Psalms. And as a result of his teaching, he put together this little worksheet that helps people think through what their New Year resolutions are going to be. I found that it was really helpful for me to think through some of the things that I might want to change under the surface, the way I live, the way I treat other people, issues of justice, etc. So uh, I'm going to challenge you sometime in the next week to take anywhere between 15 minutes to an hour and spend some time. Uh, we're going to post a link to, the, uh, to this worksheet. We're going to make it available to you. Uh, we'll, we'll include it in the comments of the uh, 
of this video. We'll put it on our website, on our podcast page. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to find it. We'll include it in some emails. But I challenge you to take it, download it, print it if you want to, or just look at it on your phone and spend some time working through. It's very short, thinking through some of the areas in your life where you could make biblical, life-changing resolutions, things that God wants to do in your life to change uh, not just the way we look on the outside, but stuff that's going on under the surface so that we can be a truly healthy Christian and, and, and by extension, uh, a healthy church. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, uh, we'll give you some closing announcements. Let's pray. God, we come before you, and we thank you for um, your word. We thank you for uh, the fact that, that from the very beginning there were churches that weren't always getting it right. Um, Lord, we're just so grateful that uh, um, we're, when we don't get it right as people and as a church, that we're in good company and that you never leave us or forsake us. Help us to wrestle with those uh, under-the-surface things in our lives um, and uh, help us to continue to be people that uh, are growing every day to be more and more like you. It's in your name we pray. Jesus, amen. Amen. So um, just a couple of closing things. Uh, if you have ever been impacted by Central City um, and the mission and the ministry that we do, the small groups, um, serving in the community, serving on Sunday mornings, um, the, the only way that this stuff can happen is by um, people who feel called by God to give. Uh, God calls us to give cheerfully and to give um, to, to support the church that God...